Hello. Hello. <laughs> I am Bay. And I am Jay. And this is the part I don't get. And Bay's uh Bay's not with us right now. <laughs> I was like trying to say it in unison with you and it didn't work out. You're just like <laughs> You you said like half of it and then you just kind of I'm done. it was Mr. really where my commitment ends. It was really it was a it was a poor purchase. It's okay, it's late. I will, I will admit. It's I was... <laughs> um yes. And this is episode 68. Yes, I double checked this time. Yes, your husband would be happy. Yes. Got it right. I was just talking to my husband before, and he's like, "You guys talk too long before you get to the topic." Yeah, that's like, what my husband like, said too. It's literally like I don't know, less than five minutes. I think you could just fast forward. He's like, "It should be more like one minute." <laughs> <laughs> we'll tell him thank you for the feedback. I know, right? Thank All you right, so, well. so much. <laughs> I think we're so, probably coming up on the minute mark now. In honor of his request, I believe it's my turn. Yes, first. I believe it is too. So, so it's get on it. Week, so I picked a spooky topic. Uh, I had a hard time thinking of a spooky topic, uh, but then I I do follow this Instagram. I think it's called like Weird Facts, and it comes up with like these it just like one liners. So they're never long enough to make a whole topic. But I was like, you know, this is a good inspiration. Do you remember that TV show? I think it was on like, you know, like the man's channel, but it wasn't the man's channel. It was something else. It was like, oh yeah, version of Lifetime. And I believe now it's called Paramount, right? It, yeah, and it used to have the man. Is that what had the man show on it? Maybe. Or was that Comedy Central? I don't know. That I don't know, but it, I remember it had CSI on it, I think, too, because my dad used to watch it all the time. But, um, they used to have this show called like a hundred ways to die. Oh have yes. Heard of that show? Oh my God. Robin and I would watch that all the time. <laughs> really? No, I think it was a thousand, a thousand ways to die. Oh, a thousand ways. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I'm undercutting it by quite yeah. a bit. Um, you know, cause I, I thought in the back of my mind, I'm like, I guess they could only have a, a couple of episodes if it's only a hundred ways. <laughs> <laughs> so that's basically kind of like my topic. So I, I found some of the strangest ways that people have died and uh, mm. some of them are quite unique and uh, definitely some, uh, some room there for things to not get. Uh, so, <laughs> like what were you <laughs> So uh, I got some of my information on Wikipedia, uh, the weird facts, Instagram account, mentalfloss.com and listserve.com because you know how I like those lists. So <laughs> yeah, it's nice and concise. So I'm not going to say a thousand ways to die. Obviously, I'm just going to say about I found about nine of them. Uh, so number one, uh, have you ever heard of a neti pot? Yes. And it, just in case if anyone hasn't, it like essentially it's like like a teapot that puts like salty hot water in your nose. Uh, in order to like clear your sinuses. So apparently people have died from using neti pots before. 
is very rare, but in 2011 in Louisiana, two people died from using their neti pot because it transmitted a brain-eating amoeba <gasps> into their system. No. So it wasn't I, something they did wrong. It was just like well, really bad luck. If they had never used their tap water, they would probably still be with us. I yeah, think so it would have been from just like user error, like sticking it up too far or something. Or no. No, they did not puncture their brains. Uh, so the brain-eating amoeba is called Naglaria fowleri. It's supposed to be transmitted by, con uh, or it supposedly was transmitted by contaminated tap water that was already in their water. It's usually found in warm freshwater lakes. And my husband has mentioned this to me many, many times. And it's kind of like a little bit of a fear that we both kind of share of like when going into like a lake, you're like, will I get the amoeba? You know, yeah, flesh eating virus. Is it is it worth it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and and in this case, it obviously wasn't in a lake, and it causes your brain to swell, and the death rate is ninety seven percent once you get the infection. Oh my god! Not a lot of chance of survival. Yeah, it's there. not looking good. Mm hmm. And one kind of a little bit of a callback, my next one to one of your old topics. Someone died during a cockroach eating contest. Oh. So you did like a food competition yeah. back in the day? I so did. So in 2012, a 32-year-old man named Edward Archbold entered a bug eating competition. And this should have been the very first red flag is that it was run by a Florida reptile shop. Like that in itself is enough information for me to say, nope, and move yeah. on. Like what, like, I guess because they eat a lot of bugs, like, you know, lizards and things. Oh, so okay. I guess they thought like this would be good publicity, but that's just really disgusting. So he ate worms and, and cockroaches and accidentally choked to death on the cockroaches that he ate because he ate them too fast. Ew. Yeah. And that what was an like a way to die. And on his like death certificate, it says like asphyxiation um, due to like bugs, essentially. <sighs> kind of what oh it says. <laughs> this I, is another was one. Surprise. Is <laughs> <Like, laughs> it worth it? <laughs> I didn't see that. It's probably money. Yeah, that would have been a good, there would have been a good follow-up for me to look for. <laughs> probably like 50 bucks. <laughs> I know. Who knows? Ugh. Maybe you needed it. Mm. Yeah. So the next one is also something you might find interesting, and I'm sure you've already heard of it. Uh, death by vending machine. Mm. So vending machines weigh 500 to about 900 pounds when they're empty. So you can imagine that they would be weighing a little bit more than that when they're fully stocked and it's estimated that in the u.s 1700 injuries occur each year as a result of people fighting with vending machines to get their food out i believe it and four deaths per year so as you can imagine it you usually tip and then they crush people or suffocate them or yeah. you know crush them to death so that was a fun. all for some doritos yeah <laughs> exactly i think the article even said doritos too the next one is pooping too hard oh yeah so we've all heard like this story of like elvis dying on yeah. the toilet is so that what happened to him yeah kind of yeah 
So he was given like a ton of medication at the time he was over medicated. He was very unhealthy. That was kind of part of the part of the precursor. And he's also overweight. And there's a lot of uh, like rumors that, you know, like I think it was his manager or his doctor was, was essentially mistreating him, just trying to get him to mm-hmm. keep performing so they could essentially milk money out of him. Right. So there's a lot of that going on already. I don't know how much of that is accurate. All that's just stuff I've heard over the years, but I've never sure. actually looked into it. So straining to pass a BM can be dangerous. It can cause something called a defecation syncope. It's an actual term or poop fainting the mm. layman's version <laughs> i like that one better <laughs> if you hold your breath while trying to push oh yeah uh, while trying to push your uh your poop blood flow is reduced and if you're already having a compromised blood flow this can trigger you fainting and even have a heart attack and uh i believe like an embolism essentially so toilet-related injuries are surprisingly actually rather common, ranging around 40,000 per year in the United States. Jeez. So that's more than vending machines, which you would assume would be more deadly. But the majority of those are like people falling and tripping and hitting them their head or something on a toilet, not necessarily yeah. dying. I did try to find up what the statistic of people pooping to death per year was, and I could not find oh, it. <laughs> but there have been real scientific studies about this. So that's interesting. I would be, I, it would be interesting to be a part of that case study. Like the people on the research end, like imagine yeah. the things that they have to type up every day. Well, remember when we were younger and I, I made myself faint? Yes. That that's pretty much what you do. Like you hold your breath, but you also, well, what they told you to do is like, like kind of push and like the pushing is, it's kind of like the same as like when you're like, pushing. like you're holding your breath, like you're, you're holding your breath, like pushing well, it out. Actually, no, there was other, well, we also, you also I like, thought you like went, <sighs> yeah, that's true. You did that too. Or oh, you okay. bend over and like huff, but, but, but then you like hold your breath and like, you're supposed to like kind of push your muscles oh, okay well so I, I guess remember recently that was like one of those challenges right that kids were doing oh, and they I were getting hurt yeah which makes a lot of sense to me because we were like what 12 13 yeah. thank god there when... was a tiktok back then and we certainly were not the only ones that did that and i remember someone we knew showed us how to do it and then we were like i wonder if this works and then i tried yeah. it and was like nothing's happening Oh, you know. tried it too? I did it right. I did it right before you. And I was like, chat doesn't work. And then you did it. And then you like slid to the floor. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and then this is so sick, but I was like slightly jealous that it didn't work for me. <laughs> but it worked for you. And I was like, gosh, I want to know what it's like to faint. Well, you know somebody I mean? did it in, in class. Like they, oh. they learned about it and they tried it. And then he just in like class. Yeah. Oh. And then he fell backwards. And I was like, oh, he's because he's like, he was one of those class clowns. And I was like, oh, he's yeah. pretending. And that's why I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And I, so I did it myself, like in the basement. And like all of a sudden I was like looking at the ceiling. Like I had no idea where I was. I thought I was like 
Oh, okay. I didn't know well, how then, old, like anything. It was it was scary. I don't know why I did it more than once, but you know. Then the okay. time, then I must have asked you like, well, how does it work? Yeah. And, and you must have been. This must have been a demonstration. And yes. Then, and, and it just so happened to make you faint. Well, time. geez, I'm glad I didn't die. But I remember like the bed was right behind you, so you essentially just slid down yeah. the bed. Yeah. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And it was like for a split second. It wasn't like a long period of time. I have fainted. I fainted at your dad's house that one Yeah. Time. And that, I know it's very strange. Like it's like, it's like uh, almost like when you're waking up from um, anesthesia, you're like, what just happened? Yeah. You're like, and that time I? I think I just stood up too fast and, you know, just like plopped. Yeah. <laughs> like what the, <laughs> what the hell? Um, but yeah. I remember, yeah, it's totally sick, but I was like, gosh, darn it. She gets to faint and I don't, because like you would see it on the movies and on TV and you're like, I wonder what that's like, but you know, that's, that's what a child brain will do to you. Have you ever seen someone faint at like a funeral or like somewhere? No, I've seen it at church. Yeah. But I don't know if it's real, but it wasn't a funeral. It was just a regular. Oh, it was like they were getting too excited or something. Um, it was an, it was kind of sort of like an evangelical church and they were, you know, really feeling the Lord. Um, (laughs) and, uh, they got, you know, spiritually overwhelmed, if you will. And then they were just kind of caught and then, then, you know, they took care of them, but fanned them off. Honestly, from what I saw from where, I mean, it was a distance. I, and I did not know these people individually, but I kind of didn't really think that it was real. It, it just kind of looked like it was almost like a showy presentation. Like I really love the Lord. So I'm just yeah. going to lay down I'm here, just... but I could be wrong. Did they I... look behind themselves before they fell? <laughs> <laughs> and I also was pretty young when I saw it. So my memory of it could also be <laughs> a little different. Um, I myself have never experienced such a thing. And I was at a a friend's church too yeah and like you know you spend the night and they're like well if you spend the night you gotta go to church you gotta go to church like okay cool and then i'm this is what happens at your church and she's like yeah sometimes (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know they just wheel them out (laughs) i was like okay (laughs) interesting story um but kind of sort of in that same realm of like natural functions laughing to death was also on the list of strange ways to die so in 2013 the british medical journal published a paper describing that you can faint and then also have a cardiac event from laughing essentially laughing too hard and i think that that again involves a lot of like the breathing because i'm sure everyone listening and you included have laughed so hard that like yes hurts yeah you've heard me squeal because i can't breathe (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so those are like bad. the best laughs ever I those know. are the most fun it, like, it hurts but, but it's it's a good hurt you know and then you laugh at yourself yeah laughing so hard and it yes just, it's a cycle yes I when I get like that my laugh I sound ridiculous I sound like a donkey like <laughs> The next one, before I saw it on the internet, I actually do remember hearing about this on the radio and like the news portion of the radio. This happened in 2013, maybe you might've heard of it, Um, but somebody died of an atomic wedgie. What? Atomic wedgie is? No. 
So of course, a wedgie is when someone usually comes up behind you and yeah. pulls your underwear up so high that it gets stuck up in your butt crack. And, you know, it's usually, I think, rather embarrassing more than just painful. But an atomic wedgie is when they pull it up so high, it then goes over your head. Your underwear would then go over the back of your head and then over your face. And I can okay. only assume usually underwear probably breaks at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. I don't think mine would stretch that far. <laughs> I don't think mine would either. There's only one way to find out. <laughs> I know. So in 2013, a guy named Bradley Davis got into a fight with his stepfather and they struggled. And after this fight, Davis took his stepfather's underwear and pulled it up over his, his stepfather's head and that caused the elastic waistband to stretch tightly around the stepdad's neck his airway was blocked and he (gasps) died over a fight and i think it was over something kind of simple i don't think it was over anything serious so davis ended up accepting a plea in 2015 and received a 30-year sentence and there was like a quote saying like i gave him a wedgie and he died it was like it was so ridiculous it's terrible it's such a weird way to like end a fight like i'm gonna give you with your parent yeah Yeah. i mean maybe he really was trying to kill him like i don't know maybe i think that would be an odd way to try and do it because you would see him struggling i'm assuming or like choking and yeah my it kind of sounds like he just there and did nothing yes it does doesn't it so he walked away but yeah yeah maybe like atomic wedgie walk away you know i don't know i know finish him off (laughs) (laughs) this was the uh, initial inspiration uh for the topic death by shoveling so hundreds of people die every year just by shoveling snow So this is a common theme that your heart just essentially gives out or you suffocate is essentially what all of the reasons, all the topics are. So those over 55 are advised not to shovel snow because their heart rate and blood pressure will rise while the cold air constricts their arteries and limits their blood supply. Did you know that? No. Well, now I'm just going to say, you know, I can't shovel my driveway and (laughs) I'm not going to go to work. Come here, young whippersnapper. I need you to shovel my yard. You just never know. You just never know. I have two more. So death by dog food was the next one. So Melanie Paula died one day after being buried beneath four large dog dog food bags uh, in her home. But it's also important to note that she was trying to feed her 40, four zero dogs at the time and the bags fell on her and she suffocated. Oh my God. So that's a lot of dogs. I don't know why anyone would need that many. (laughs) When you get that many, I'm calling the authorities to have you at least observe. I thought thought you were going to say from eating dog food, which I could understand. That's what I thought when I saw the the headline at first and I was like, oh gosh, did somebody choke on eating dog food? And the last one is holding your pee. Yeah, I've, 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 I heard there was like, well, you might go over this, but like um, a right. reduced 
there was a radio station yes. that had a competition mm-hmm. and yes. someone died from it. Yes. It, the, so there was a radio contest called hold your we for a we. So meaning you're holding your urine so that you can win the, the gaming system. Was W-I-I a, was, we. Is it British? <laughs> hold your no. we. <laughs> so Jennifer and her last name was strange. So very fitting for her. Oh, I thought you were saying like she had a strange last name. But no, her was. name was strange. Oh, okay. I thought that that was like a misprint, but I read it a couple times and was like, oh, I guess that's her name. So Jennifer Strange participated in the local radio station competition. The goal was to see who could drink the most water without going to the bathroom, without going pee. So hours later, um, you know, she's, so she went home. She said she had a terrible head headache. Her head hurt really bad. And then hours later, she died at her home. The coroner found that her death was likely caused by something called water intoxication or hyponatremia because the body's sodium level fell below normal and this caused her brain to swell, hence the headache, and it pushed against her skull and she died. Was this after she had already like relieved herself like or was she still holding it? I think she had because she had gone home so I think she had but this is essentially what happens to like those marathon runners when they drink too much water because they're also probably I'm guessing not going to the bathroom either but if you drink too much water it's not good for you and then you can eventually you know kill yourself yeah like when I was was doing that Dr. Fata um, episode the guy that was like scamming people and telling them they had cancer when they didn't. Um, One of the nurses was like noticing how they were uh, giving people fluids like way too much. And she was saying that's really dangerous. Like you don't give someone fluids unless they absolutely need it because the same thing could happen. Yeah, I remember you saying that. There were a whole bunch of other weird ones, but some of them were kind of too strange. There was one guy who died because he really wanted to experience i don't know if he wanted to be a fish or a mermaid but he essentially built himself or sewed himself or bought like a mermaid tail so he could go swimming um with like a big fin instead of using his two feet and he went into this like lake and swam around and then he couldn't get it off And so he was just like rolling around on the sand, struggling, I think, to get to water, like fresh water so that he could drink it. And he eventually overheated and died. Oh my God. He was stuck inside of this fish costume kind of thing. (laughs) That one was kind of odd. Wow. And then there was another one that said that in, I believe it was, I believe it was Egyptian times, so in ancient times, babies would often die from starvation because they were given opium to stop them from crying. Oh so people didn't feed them because they thought that they were satiated. Oh. So they starved to death. Oh. That's weird and terrible, sad. Sad, but very, very old. So hopefully people, oh, and then they said that people also started giving babies <laughs> opium in Victorian times, which wasn't too long ago but hopefully they've learned from their mistakes yeah but those were that okay (laughs) the fish one i actually did see on the tv show a thousand ways to die yeah i can't remember any of them from the show i feel like it was like random ways to fall onto things or yes 
Yes. Mm -hmm. But that was my topic. Uh, that's my spooky Halloween topic. Very, very morbid. <laughs> we should have done okay. a little, a, a little listening warning ahead of time, but yep, that was it. Well, thank you. That, uh, that was quite, quite a good topic. Mine's, mine's kind of, well, it's not really spooky. I, I struggled to find something Halloween related as well. So it's kind of a stretch, but it is creepy, I guess. <laughs> uh <laughs> that's the best I can do. Um, I guess. I guess. Um have you heard of the Elon school? <gasps> yes. Did, did you, you hear about it on my documentary? Yes, I did. Um I'm I'm you know what? I might have now that you said that I might have listened to that episode, but the documentary was what I saw because the pictures of someone with like a period crown on yeah. their head. Uh, did you watch it? I did not watch it. I watched the preview. Okay. I well, actually just listened to a, a, a podcast called Camp Hell. And yeah. it was about a different school that was very similar. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot out there, but very similar. And they were talking about how like, this is a thing. And then obviously, if you watch the Paris Hilton documentary, yep. her documentary was all about that kind of thing as well. I, I, I want to watch hers. I haven't seen hers, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. So my topic is the Elon school. Uh, my sources were the um, documentary that Bay just mentioned called The Last so what is it Stop. Called? Oh the last stop okay yeah it's on um amazon prime was and it it's good? actually you recommend yeah it was good it um it was a little you know you know how like when they run out of things to show you so they just kind of like it's like a bunch of like stock footage it's, it's a lot of that i i okay. personally think it's better as a podcast okay um but the interviews were really good and it's made by somebody who graduated from the school okay and he i think he's even like he i guess does his own interview in it um and then a podcast called dark down east they talk about dark things in new england <laughs> i thought it was a cool name though um down east dark down east. in new england yeah i don't I know think they would have to say up east i don't know well maybe dark and down you know alliteration alliteration it's yes <laughs> So in case you're wondering, the word elan in uh, French means momentum, energy, style, enthusiasm, which I had okay. never heard of that word, but I just thought it was someone's name. <laughs> um, yeah. But the Elan School was uh, opened in 1970 in Poland, Maine, um, as a private behavior modification program and boarding school. Um, it was founded by Joseph Ricci and child psychiatrist Gerald Davidson. It was established as a uh, first as a drug rehab program and then okay. uh, kind of opened up to any sort of, you know, quote unquote, behavior issues amongst adolescents. Mm -hmm. um, they were different because they used what was called attack therapy. <laughs> so, you know, so that's going to go well. Um, so this attack therapy derived from a program called Synanon, which I had never heard of this, but this was really creepy. It was um, uh, like during the time of Alcoholics Anonymous, 
they came up with Synanon, which was this approach to drug addiction um, using a tough love treatment okay. in place of going to jail. And they would use uh, what's called the game, which was basically group confrontation sessions um, where they would just kind of yell at the person. Okay. Uh, and the idea was that if you broke down the person, you could then build them back up and, you know, help yeah. them recover. Um, however, it basically turned into a cult uh, where everyone would shave their heads. Oh. There were stories of forced vasectomies and forced Oh my abortions. Yeah. So this is called Synanon. Synanon, yeah. So the it finally was shut down when its founder, uh, Diedrich, I didn't get the first name, um, was prosecuted for abducting a woman and forcing her into treatment. Okay. Um, but it did branch out into other programs, including one called Daytop, which is where Joseph Ricci, the founder of Elan, um, went as a kid and, uh, or as a teenager and, uh, basically recovered from his heroin addiction and he and then he went on to make his own school yeah he felt that oh. this this school was or this program was very helpful um so him and this this other guy uh Gerald Davidson formed the Alon school um they charge it's private and they charge thirty thousand dollars per year of course they do yeah now, does is any of that covered by health insurance? Hell no. This was uh this was the 70s. I don't think they even had it. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was a common theme in the Camp Hell episode or podcast that I was listening to. They would like fake bill people. They would like force everyone to go to the dentist every year, and then they would oh have all God. kinds of crazy unnecessary dental work so they could get tons of money oh from, my both, God. from the health insurance companies and the parents. And then they would go to quote therapy sessions with a psychiatrist who would see them for like five minutes, but then they would build them for like an hour and they would do all kinds of stuff because they were, you have to get like, as I'm sure, you know, way more about this than I do, but you have to get like essentially like a specific license to not just be a school, but then to also be like a treatment facility. So if you have like both of those like licenses, right. then you can get the health insurance and that place was started like in the 60s too but yeah I think they probably realized they could get a lot more money probably more like the late 70s and 80s so, yeah, yeah so the Elan school was seen as a last resort for kids that like had they've tried everything else and they were still you know so it's still school type bad of kids yeah um so imagine thirty thousand dollars to have your kid be like yeah and that's like that's for one year think i mean let's say your kid goes in young you know 13 14 and they end up staying the whole time like all four years what was Um, the age range um i read just high school 13 to 20 uh basically you, you were allowed to stay i guess after 18 if you didn't decide to sign yourself out which that's what they did in the other one too i bet you they tricked them to stay because that's what they did yeah let them know that they were allowed to leave of their own recognizance because they were over 18 yeah and so this was um in literally in the middle of nowhere so like it was 
like yeah, kids good would luck. try to run, but mm-hmm. they basically, it was like a self-governed um, program. So it's like, they would send other kids after them, like yeah. basically in a car and, and bring them back. And then of course the punishments were, were crazy. Um, so I, I'm going to read it's, it's best from this Reddit post that, um, eventually went viral and really helped, uh, shut Alon down, but I'm just going to read what he wrote in terms of what he experienced. Cause it sums it up pretty well. Okay. Um, <laughs> the, it's a post by, well, his name is now deleted, but, um, straight from the anonymous source right (laughs) i wrote it in there too um it's okay (laughs) so his username is jesus my hero but spelled (laughs) g-z-a-s and the post is called even skimming this post will blow your mind most probably think that it's made up but you could be dead wrong okay so um Let's see. So he said, uh, the school accepted anyone and then held them as long as they possibly could, depending on the age of the child. If you were sent at 14, which many were, uh, you may have been looking at three to four years. Um, this is because, well, he says they, they charge $50,000 per child. So I think um, this sure is from someone. Yeah, this, so this kid went in 1998 when he was 16. So at this point, yeah, it probably was more like, 50,000. Um, so he says, we, we were forced to participate in staff organized fight clubs, oh. uh, none of which were fair. All were designed to humiliate one child who would put up, be put up against three, at least three others. Um, so even the children who followed the rules were forced to fight in the name of quote unquote good. And so this was called the ring. It was like literally a boxing ring where they would um, the, the kid who was punished, they would put him or her in, in the boxing ring. And then they would basically trade off with other kids and just have them beat each other up until like, they just passed out. Yeah. Or, you know, just couldn't take it anymore. Um, and so if they like didn't beat team. them up, they'd get in trouble too. Right. Exactly. Um, children who tried to rebel or be free thinking were thrown into an isolation room where they had to stay for four months at a time. They had to sleep at night on a dry or sorry, a dirty mattress on the floor of the isolation room. The mattress was brought to them at midnight and they were woken up around 7am. So in the documentary, they uh, interviewed one person and he was saying like, you literally had to sit in a corner and just stay there. Like, and there'd be someone monitoring you and like for months like can you imagine like that's worse than solitary confinement in a jail yeah even they get like a break (laughs) yeah um we were all forced to perform in a ritual called a general meeting where the entire house of 60 or more boys and girls screamed at one child who stood behind a broomstick many times they were forcibly held up by two other students as they would have to accept the punishment or so they would have to accept the punishment um, education was considered a right, but those of us who earned the right were still robbed of an education. School was from 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. No homework. Oh my god! Like my god, 
after mm-hmm. they probably worked all day. Yeah, exactly. Made them work. Yeah. There were no tests, no projects. Basically, they just gave them a book and like said, okay, do one page of the work. Uh, the other 12 hours of the day consisted of constant conditioning and brainwashing. In the beginning, you obviously rejected it, but then you'd be quote unquote dealt with. You would not be able to rise through the ranks of the program to earn more rights until you could prove yourself to be a good candidate for more brainwashing. Um, so they had different levels that you would have to get through. Um, so you would start at the bottom, which is called a non-strength and you were not allowed to talk, interact or communicate in any way. Um, and then it took, according to this poster, it took a minimum of six months to earn the title of strength. It took some kids a year to earn strength and some kids never did. And then there were like other, there, there were a lot of other levels that they talked about, but one of the higher levels was basically being like, like a police officer. So you would like, if someone tries to escape, it's your responsibility to go after them, you know, or to narc on anybody. Um, And they had to like, like take notes about everyone. And, you know, they were kind of required to like, basically tell on people. Mm -hmm. Um, So and once you, if you did anything wrong at a higher level, you would get knocked down. I think that's what it was called, being knocked down. And then you would go to the bottom and you'd have to start all over again. Um, like all the way down? Yeah. Or like just like on. one rung? No, all the way. Oh. It was like, yeah, talk about pressure. I know. Um, so Elon made money based on the amount of time you took. it took you to graduate the program. Um, you had to have a minimum of seven promotions before you were candidate for graduation. Each promotion (laughs) took a minimum of three months and most of the kids never made it past the fifth promotion. These kids, like we talked about, had to wait until they turned 18 and they could legally sign themselves out. Um, and then some kids stayed there longer. Oh, that's another thing is it was run by kids or run by um, people who had graduated the program and were now adults, but there yeah. was absolutely nobody with any sort of formal training in you know, teaching or psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, none of these people were, had any sort of credentials. Took any kind of course of any kind. Of course not, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Be, I guess they watched the video or they're, yeah. you know, yeah, so um training to work with children with high needs and drug addictions yeah and they they interviewed (laughs) like they interviewed one of the the women that worked there and she she was seen as like like the other students kind of liked her but she still kind of stood by like she was like you know she felt it was a good program so yeah that was like she was brainwashed thing that I've seen so far is that it's it does seem like some people really are brainwashed into thinking like this is something I needed yeah I was such a troubled child kind of yeah it's like I guess when you go through all that crap it's like being in an abusive relationship you know you convince Mm -hmm. yourself yeah all you can you know that's the best you can do yeah um and he he talks about the staff in the post he says many arrived in BMWs and clearly made six-figure incomes um without any degrees many of them never went to college at all all outgoing letters to parents were screened many of us having to write many different drafts until they were accepted 
All phone calls to our parents were monitored. Uh, we were allowed about 15 minutes a week uh, and the person who monitored the call would have have their hand hovering over the hang up button as a constant reminder of our reality. And that's just a small part of it. But um, the documentary also talks about this kid who asked if their cabin could have like a dog, because I guess there was another cabin that had a dog. And they made him dress up like a dog and bark oh, like a dog. I saw the picture of that. Yeah. 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 That like, because he asked a question that like he got punished. And then the one that you were talking about, the girl with the tampons around her head, um, yeah. that was because she had syphilis. So they made her wear tampon crown. Oh um, my God. Yeah. It's, it was really, and um, basically they would make them wear signs and it would say like, ask me why I'm a whore or stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and they, they would have to write the signs themselves and like yeah. with it themselves, which was even more messed up. Um, so obviously this uh, could not go on forever without somebody saying something, but it, it did take quite a while. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. There was an investigation in July 1975 by the Illinois Department of Child and Family Services. Uh, Mary Leahy was one of the investigators and she was appalled by what she saw and she wrote to the governor of Maine demanding a full investigation. Um, she, uh, I'm sorry, Maine did do an investigation. However, they announced their arrival uh, of course. gave them a heads up. So of course they, you know, didn't see anything. They probably um, were legally obligated to do so. I don't know, but the, I guess the, the Illinois one wasn't, but so they took the 11 Ill kids from Illinois, they were removed, but obviously they couldn't, since it was in Maine, you know, they couldn't get all the kids. Um, so this was the part that was on my favorite murder. Well, they kind of the focus, um, so there was a, uh, a murder that took place in Greenwich, Connecticut of okay. um, Martha Moxley. Oh, oh, that's this episode? Did the yeah. guy who killed her, did he go yeah. to Yvonne? He did. So before he, or after? Um, after. So she was killed October 30th, 1975. Uh, Basically, um, the day before Halloween, she was out with mischief uh, night. Yeah, mischief night. She was out with her boyfriend, uh, Thomas Skakel, and uh, was found. Kennedy. Yeah, so they're the nephews of the Kennedys, I think. Um, so she was found bludgeoned to death by a golf club on her mm -hmm. front doorstep. Um, and then, so the brother. Uh, of Tom, of Thomas, Michael uh, went to Elon and reportedly um, admitted to killing her and even said, I can get away with murder because I'm a Kennedy. Mm -hmm. You'll never charge me. Um, and he did for so, a very long time. Yeah. So it wasn't until 2000 when he was charged with the murder of Martha Moxley. Uh, 2002 he was convicted however he um it was the conviction was later overturned because there's no physical evidence linking him to the crime um and of course uh joe joe Rit ritchie 
Ricci, the one who started Elon, was saying, um, denied that he ever said that. Um, but basically, this put Elon back kind of in the spotlight. And this is when um, the Reddit article was posted, and also a New York Times article was written about uh, behavior modifications using corporal punishment. Um, I'm sorry, behavior modification programs using corporal punishment, and they really focused on Elon. So between that article and the Reddit post that went viral, you know, a lot of other kids started coming forward with their stories. And so eventually um, Elon had to shut down due to lack of funds and lack of enrollment. Big shock. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so... um, So uh, one, there, there actually was a, a death um, that is suspected to be from um, direct result of something that happened at Elan. Uh, Phil Williams Jr. was a student in the early 1980s at Elan. He was 15. Uh, he died um, on December 27, 1982. His family was told of natural causes um later they found out that he had been in the ring the day before his death um, and they put him in the ring for complaining about headaches because he had migraines um he was beaten for about 10 minutes and put into a coma and the death certificate said he was quote-unquote probably killed by a ruptured aneurysm um but no autopsy was ever done um so they really couldn't say for sure, but it's, it basically was, you know, something has to cause the aneurysm to be ruptured. So yeah, it's yeah. Um, so there was an investigation, but they couldn't, I guess, find enough to, to really do anything. But I mean, it's like pretty obvious to me. Yeah. Um, so the one good thing to come out of this was you kind of mentioned this before with Paris Hilton. There's a, a movement uh, called Breaking Code Silence, and it's basically um, you know former students of these types of schools trying to uh, reform what is called the troubled teen industry because mm-hmm. uh, most of these programs have little to no oversight, um, and so they want to obviously um, make it so they do have, you know, someone to answer to and that this stuff doesn't continue happening. So if you want to find more information, uh, you can go to breakingcodesilence.net if you want to get involved with that. Uh, And um, Joe Ritchie did die in 2001 from lung cancer at age 54. So when did the school officially close? Oh, so the school didn't close till 2011. Okay. And how many campuses did they have? You said Illinois and Maine. Oh, no, it was just one in Maine. But I guess since they had students from all over the country. Okay. Um, they, I guess that's why the person from Illinois got involved. There must okay. have been some complaints. But I mean, the sad part is like the parents, like, you know, you know, the kids said they would tell their parents and they just wouldn't believe them. Yeah, of or... course, of course not. That's what parents yeah. said too. 
Especially if you're already like a quote unquote bad kid that is lying yeah. ass and they just assume. Exactly. Oh, and the way they take in the them. one where they take them in the middle of the night. Yeah. They yeah. The they literally like, like mm-hmm. you guys come and take you. Um, I guess because they figure there's no easy way to be like, oh, you're going to a behavior modification camp. Let's go. <laughs> I know, but like your parents could just drive you you know like and then there might be a struggle at the entrance i guess but yeah to wait for them to be asleep in their beds yeah. in their homes and like to like be literally taken especially if their parents have money you can imagine they're probably just assuming they're being ransomed or kidnapped and they're being taken in front of their parents and they're seeing their parents. And they're like, what the hell? Yeah, they'd be like, what are you doing? That's definitely a part of like Call the whole breaking down system for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the idea was that these kids just like had trouble with authority. So their response is, you know, we're just going to make it so it's impossible for them to rebel. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to over authoritize them. So they have no choice, but it's like, I mean, a lot of them reported like PTSD and turning to drugs if they hadn't already yeah. afterwards. Like that was another thing. Like anybody who was willing to pay could send their kid there. Like they were saying some just got caught smoking marijuana and that's why they were there. Or this, there were some religious parents that sent their daughters there for talking to boys. Like, oh, are you kidding goodness. me? So it was co-ed. Yes. Yeah. And oh, I was going to say, there were there are like several cabins kind of spread out so i think i think there were at least like 60 to 100 kids there at a time and did they have to do like physical labor during the day yeah they had to like, like that's a really common theme yeah they had to like <laughs> scrub the toilets with like toothbrushes and all kinds of stuff it was it, it was a lot of like therapy where they would just scream at each other basically and then Mm. start crying oh my goodness it was like the opposite of everything i've ever learned in like (laughs) social work school classes yeah i it's interesting because even private schools do have like oversight you know private and public schools like your standard parochial schools and stuff they do have oversight but it's just interesting that that like you said like that like the what did you say call it like the bad kid the troubled teen industry troubled teen industry it's interesting how they can get away with a lot when i was listening to the podcast camp hell they were talking their their school was called anawaki and they had multiple different campuses and i believe in different states and they they were not co-ed there was a, a girls one and there was a boys one and um there's there was a lot of um sexual misconduct oh yeah um like a like a ton of like really tragic stories um Mm -hmm. with the person who created it and um they did a lot of physical labor so they literally built the entire campus of all three places they built the entire structure Mm -hmm. like even 12 year olds they like built all the facilities they built all the buildings that they lived in all the buildings that they ate in they, and then when there was nothing there, they just lived like in tents until they built stuff. Oh yeah. And some, some of the judges that like sent some of the kids there got in trouble for receiving kickbacks from Joe Ricci. 
So there was definitely that too. It was all about money. Oh, I'm sure. And those people got a ton of money. Yeah. And then their family members got a ton of money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they would have people who were troubled teens, quote unquote, that worked there too. So there was a lot of, a lot, a lot of abuse of that place. So I can imagine. But when I was listening to that podcast, there were a couple of people who were real teachers. They were real social workers, at least in the beginning that were working there. But then they realized that there was like nothing that they could do. So many people would just leave. And then there were a couple of people who tried to take action, but it was like almost impossible to make any actual waves. But they were talking about how there are a lot of studies about like the whole idea of being like outward bound, like the nature involvement, Mm -hmm. nature therapy and teenagers and youths where, you know, like you essentially become one with nature and like, there's a lot of camping and hiking and stuff like that. Yeah. I can, I can buy into that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we used to always, um, we had heard good things, you know, in my last job about some of the outward bound programs or the ones where they're, I mean, they're also in the middle of nowhere, but yeah, more like their own survival, I guess, like camping and stuff. Yeah. If it's it's not not like labor, yeah, exactly. If it's not forced labor, but it's like, this is how you make a fire. This is how you pitch a tent. This is how you find water. This is how you can tell like North from South, like, and then, you know, the whole idea of like learning that there's something greater than you, like a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And like the elements, like, you know, yeah. And when you, when you have no possessions, then you like, you find out what's really important, you know, like people and treating them with common respect, I guess. But, and then you're also taking them away from all like those potential triggers and stuff. Like when people get out of like rehab and then they realize they can't have the same friends. Like that's like a huge part of the reason why they relapse because they can't live the same life. But that I can buy into and like the nature stuff, but this whole like kidnapping in the middle of the night, like manual labor stuff, I think is ridiculous. Yeah. And putting all the kids together, like the one girl they interviewed was like, I learned all the bad things, you know, from other kids at Elan. Like I wasn't that bad of a kid, but then when I was around other kids there, I, I learned a lot of worse things. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, has the opposite effect. Well, I guess we know the real answer of why this happens is just money. Oh yeah. Money and desperation, I think, you know. Well, and this it's interesting that this guy was one of those people who yeah. thought and that's it probably worked. why people trusted him too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause um, it's like he's got this great personal story of overcoming a hair. Yeah. And then there's a child psychiatrist. And I'm like, God, I hope that guy got lost his life. But this yeah. was the sixties, you know, and this was, you know. well known as a well-renowned place at the time Mm. so breaking code silence is what you said yes breaking code silence.net well that was a good topic thank you that was a heavy heavy hitter heavy hitter i know (laughs) very heavy uh uh, episode but um i guess we'll see y'all in two weeks and if you guys have any other topics, email us on the part I don't get at gmail.com and check us out on Instagram and Facebook on this is the part I don't get. 
and, and have a great Halloween. <laughs> have a very happy Halloween if you celebrate. If you celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Bye. Bye.